Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. Hey, Hot Breathiverse, welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I'm your host, comedian Joel Byers, and this is a first of its kind Hot Breath episode here. After over 200 interviews with comics, this episode marks the next stage of what we are building here at Hot Breath, which is cultivating the next generation of great comics by empowering you, the listener. And today's episode was actually booked by Hot Brother and Chris Grulon. He booked the guest. He ended up coming on the show with us to help interview. And now he is recording the intro and outro for this Hot Breath episode. So keep an ear out. You're going to start hearing more episodes like this where members of the Hot breath Averse are taking action, creating their own opportunities, and this marks the first official Hot Breath episode of this new movement here at Hot Breath. So I'm so thrilled to introduce to you Chris Grulon. Hey guys, welcome to the Hot Breath Podcast. This is comedian Chris Grulon out of San Antonio, Texas. On today's episode, Joel and I talk to the hilarious Vanessa Gonzalez. Hear her story as a rising comedian in Texas and her many achievements, including a Comedy Central special and the release of her new album, My Birthday's Tomorrow. Okay, guys, enjoy. Yeah, that's great. How often are you doing them? Because there is some sort, there is some questions, some of like, are they even worth doing and things like that? But like, what's been your experience with them? Well, luckily I've been able to do like one or two a week. Wow. Um, yeah, of like stand up quote unquote stand up even though I'm sitting in my pajamas in my house um but yeah it's been interesting you know sometimes there's just like 12 people in the zoom mm -hmm. and I've done where there's I've done some where there's like more people so it's been it's been nice when like people are unmuted and you actually hear laughs again that's I think that's what I miss most is hearing people laugh oh you know gosh. that's what fuels us um, no, and that energy. I, f I think that's what yeah. I miss is like that. I mean, the high from it. There's no, I mean, it's a yeah, drug. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And I, I'm working on like, I'm making the most of it by really like building this Facebook group and really focusing on the podcast and building the community and connecting with comics. Mm -hmm. But it is like it, this still though, the stage. It's, it's just like, I know. Ugh. There's nothing. I, yeah. We all, we're, we're all addicts. We all have yeah. problems. <laughs> um but yeah it's it's not the same it's not the same and and i find myself like because i'm in austin right now mm -hmm. and i see that like in new york and la they're starting to do like outside shows which seems nice and safe for people um but in austin it's just too damn hot like oh. even at night even like well it's like 9 p.m and it's 98 degrees like nobody wants to be sitting outside so hopefully we can like figure out something like that here in austin but in a safe way um but yeah i definitely miss the the thrill of of making a group of people laugh in front of you, you know? yeah yeah because you actually you started comedy in austin right yeah i started here i I was here for about 10 years and I moved to LA oh. and I was in LA for two years, you know, doing the grind. And then what is that happened. grind though? Wait, tell us, <laughs> tell us that grind because there's a lot the of grind. newer comics that are members of this group that just, Oh, the glitz and glamor of LA or like moving to New York <laughs> and I'm in it, you know, but like, what is, we had Sean Patton on here who broke down the grind of New York comedy mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I've never heard just the brutal reality of it. Like, what is the grind? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, in New York, I'm sure it's different. But I, I mean, my grind in L.A. was I was able to do I, I kept hearing like, you know, it's hard to get shows in L.A. But luckily, I was able to be, you know, have shows pretty regularly at mm -hmm. least one a week, you know, which was like pretty good for L.A. of like a book show. 
Uh, wow. And then you have like your open mics and things like that. But um, yeah, book shows are, are, are harder to get more consistent uh, in LA. I think the most I went without doing a show in LA was like two weeks. And that was like, oh, I need, oh my gosh. <laughs> I need to be on a show. Um, so yeah, doing that, going on the road. Luckily, I, you know, I would, I, I'm, I love Austin and the club here would always like give me time if I wanted to work out an hour. That's the hard thing too. When you're grinding in LA, you're not going to get more than 10 minutes, you know, if you're eight minutes. Mm. Um, so it's like hard to kind of work on a longer set in LA because you just get like five, seven, eight minutes at a time. Uh, so luckily, whenever I, I needed to work on longer sets, I'd come home to Austin. They'd let me headline here and things like that. So yeah, and doing of... it 10 years in Austin, I think mm -hmm. is um, probably beneficial in terms of just figuring out how to do comedy before you move to oh. LA. Yeah, I was talking with someone recently, like, I, I know so many people that start in LA, yeah. and I'm just like, damn, that's, I can't imagine, it seems really hard to start there, but people do it, and, and fucking, like, those, the, the people I know that started in LA are, like, the hardest, like, grinders in the grind, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I was, yeah, I, I think I'm lucky that I was able to start in Austin. There's such a like tight community here with stand up. I did uh, improv and sketch too. So I kind of like was able to do everything and, and it was nice to kind of like, you know, uh, kind of get decent before I went to LA. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And what, what was that decision? What it, what went into actually deciding, okay, I'm going to make the leap. Yeah, I was always terrified to make the leap. I didn't want to. I was kind of like that, like, nah, I'm just going to stay in Austin and, and be like, just do everything here and, and fucking be in Austin, kill it here. But then, uh, so every year there's this uh, contest, Funniest Person in Austin contest. And I did that uh, like three or four years. I got third place twice. Thank you very much. Oh. Uh, big, yeah, <laughs> never won, never won. Just <laughs> third place or second runner up, as I like to say. Um, but, but from doing the contest so much, I, I actually got uh, JFL. Uh, one of the judges was a guy from JFL and he was like, come and be a new face. And so I went to JFL and I was a new face. And and then uh, from there, I, I got a manager and, uh, and she was like, hey, you should come to LA if you wanna kind of make bigger steps. Oh. And I was like, no. <laughs> 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 I don't want to um but then she was like no and then everyone I have such a great like family and friends and everyone's like no you should go so I went and and yeah uh, luckily knock on wood things went well <laughs> you know? yeah that's how I am here in yeah. Atlanta is mm -hmm. uh, I've been doing comedy 10 years and I, I always had the mindset I had friends that would move to LA and New York and just sleep on mm -hmm. couches and that but I was always like I would rather do it like you said from Austin I want to do it from Atlanta I kind of want to build build success here to show other comics that they don't have to move to get success yeah. oh yeah I was totally on that train with especially like Atlanta and Austin are, are very like you know uh like up and coming like mm -hmm. scenes and and like have bigger comedy scenes like i've been to atlanta and you guys have a great comedy scene there um and it's very similar to austin where you're like i'm comfy here yeah. you know i i got my shows i got the people i run with and like and also like big names come here and like you can open for them and things so and like there's people make movies here and there's opportunities here, like for sure. So that's why I was like, nah, you don't have to leave. Um, but I felt comfortable doing it when I did it. I was 32 and I, I got a manager. So I was like, okay, fine. And I, I, my boyfriend stayed in Austin. So I kind of had the safety net. I was like, don't come to LA, uh -huh. things don't work out. 
I could just come home. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 yeah, Like you've been, you've been methodical in your mm -hmm. journey and just kind of, cause you start, well, you you went to college doing a theater and then sketch and improv. And then you took, you went into stand up. So you've kind of almost done it like kind of piece by piece, learning skill by skill. Yeah. Just a little bit at a time. Cause I, I I don't know. I, I guess I, I've always wanted to do comedy since I was little. I never imagined that I would do the things I've done and have a Comedy Central special. Like that still like boggles my mind. But I've just been like the whole way I've just been like, I'm going to do it because it's fun and I I love it. And but I never expected anything, I guess. And the things just like kind of came. Yeah, and um, starting I'm, starting comedy, a lot of people like they want to do comedy, but they're scared. Maybe they're writing jokes, but they're scared to jump into comedy. And you were the same, where there was like a fear of like I can do sketch and improv, but stand up's another beast. So like, what went into making that decision to pursue it? And like, what advice do you have for someone on the fence about I want to do it, but oh yeah, um, I was totally scared. I told myself. I'll never do stand-up. That's terrifying. I need a group with me. Um, But I started doing, you know, with sketch and improv, like keeping a group together becomes so hard because everyone's Mm -hmm. doing 10 million things. People start getting married, having babies. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll do my own thing. And I started doing solo sketch shows, which was like I was in character still. Like I was still terrified to be Vanessa on stage and but being alone it kind of helped me like do characters but be by myself and then my friend Lisa Friedrich actually uh she's a comic here in Austin and she runs like so many stand-up shows and she was like hey I'm gonna book you on one of my shows and you're just gonna do it and I was like no mm-hmm. uh and she's like you'll just five minutes she's like if you want to get out in three that's fine like I just think she like really just like pushed me off the cliff oh that's great she was like do it and I was like but I don't know I don't know how to write jokes like you know I do characters I do improv and she's like just tell a story like you got stories you're funny and that's what I did I just told like a story about my mom and now all that's mainly like what I do when I write jokes is just all based on real shit that I've gone through so now I I think like of my jokes as just like little kind of stories that I I make funny that's how I've I've approached it ever since yeah that's what I admire about your comedy what I enjoy and if we were to use an example of one uh like your the underwear story which everyone needs to go watch. If you're listening to this later, go like just search this on YouTube. It's hilarious. And what I love is it is based in truth. It's based in reality. It's a story that has beats and an arc. But how your your humor is based in truth, which we all strive for. But how do you actually like have that experience? He bought me underwear. Well, I don't want to give away the joke, but like, how do you take it from this happened to now? Okay, this needs to be able to translate to stage, which there's a big misconnect there. Yeah, I mean, so that really did happen. Mm-hmm. It was a traumatic thing that upset, <laughs> that upset me. And I think anytime it's kind of like my therapy, right? Like this thing bothered me. And, and then I just kind of take it like piece by piece, like, Mm-hmm. Uh, when I set it up, which is kind of like a problem now because all of my jokes are like five to 10 minutes long, which is, mm-hmm. which is not ideal when you're in LA and they only give you four minutes or whatever. Um, cause I'll just like kind of start it piece by piece. I like set the, the stakes, you know, especially if people don't know who I am, I'm like, okay, so this is my first boyfriend. This is a big deal for me. I, he bought me underwear, you know, and I kind of just like lay it out so that people know the backstory of like, oh, this isn't just any mm. like guy buying a girl underwear. Like this was a huge deal for me. And then, yeah, the underwear looked huge when I took them out of the bag and I was mortified. And but then they, they fit. 
perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And so kind of just kind of like, uh, I'll start by like testing it out on open mics, like just storytelling and and I'll I'll write down beats and but I don't really know where I'm gonna go if I'm trying to joke out for the first time. And uh, so I'll start a joke and it'll be like 10 minutes long. And then I'll start like setting it down to where oh, it feels just like tight and it's just all punchy. So do you do you write it all out and then, or do you go on stage and just try to r- tell the story as it happened? Yeah, I'll just try to tear it. Uh, I'll, I'll do like beats, bullet points. So like this, I want to hit this that happened, this that happened, and that that happened. Yeah, okay. and, and I'll be like, okay, I know for sure this is funny. And I know that uh, though I have five minutes. So to me, I don't know if this happens with everybody, but I'm always like, I'll talk and I'm thinking like five minutes seems forever, but I end up and then I get the light. I'm like, damn it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had way more time. Um, So I kind of like, uh, I'll definitely take myself, listen to it over and over again. And then once I like tried a couple times and like um, open my, then I'll start like writing it down and trimming it. I'm like, oh, that didn't work. It's kind of like I'll solo improv by myself this story until uh-huh. I make something of it. So I'll just keep saying it, keep saying it, and then kind of like make it molded into something as I go. And when do you know when it's time to let go of something? Oh, when I, I'll do. It, it sucks because like I'll think things are hilarious oh yeah mm-hmm. and I'm like oh I gotta leave this in but I'll say it like four or five times and no one laughs at it and then my boyfriend will finally be like yeah that's not funny <laughs> and I'm like it is, <laughs> it is. Um, so yeah I'll, I'll try it um, a couple times before I'm like fine I'll finally get the hint and I'm like nobody laughs at this part so I'll cut it out I mean, well, well some comics do it for months you know before yeah. they kill it so you're, you're realistic enough to be like four or five times alright let me just move on there's more out there yeah yeah you mentioned the underwear story being traumatic to you. Like when it happened, you say it was traumatic. So how long did it yeah. take you to actually be like, okay, I'm ready to start talking about this? Uh, well, it's funny. Like I, like, I remember it happened. And then like two days later I had a show and I was like, I'm going to, tr- I'm going to talk about this. Cause <laughs> one, I was like, I'm tired of my old jokes. Uh-huh. I don't want to, you know, when you reach a point where you're like, I don't want to say these anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they're good. They, you know, they, they'll get you the little laughs, but you're like bored of them. So I'm like, I don't want to say any of these jokes. So I'm going to just talk about this new thing that happened. And so it's pretty like immediate for me. Like if something happens, I want to talk about it as soon as possible, because then I still have that like it just happened excitement yeah and like i feel like it's so fun for me when i have something like you know i'm like y'all you're never gonna believe this or you know something happened or or something was said and so i like to say it as soon as i can after it happened and then a challenge can be to replicate that excitement the 10th 20th 30th 40th 50th how how are you Mm -hmm. able to perform a joke that may be old but perform it as if it's new well that that's the hard part i think that um for me i i get bored with jokes real fast Hmm. like i i think i i told this one joke that was also traumatic um and everyone like kept telling me like do it again do it again i'm like it's not fun for me anymore but it was it was kind of similar with the underwear where I went to a water park with my boyfriend and they they kept the ride kept yelling heaviest rider must go in the back and it was just like over and over again like the heaviest rider must go in the back and I'm just looking at him like I'm not going in the back sorry you know um so there's this, this whole joke about this water slide and I said it for like a year and then I was like, I can't, 
say this anymore. It's done. Like I just had no more juice behind it. You ever, you ever feel that when you like had oh. a joke mm-hmm. and you're like, you're like, it's good, but it's just like, I don't have the, the juice that it needs to, to be told anymore. <laughs> but it's, it's very interesting that you referencing mm-hmm. that experience was traumatic <laughs> as well. Like that's something, yeah. uh, Ron Funchen, Ron Funchen. Ron Funches. <laughs> Ron Funchen, he was a uh, he talked about on here about how he had a breakthrough in his comedy when he started talking about things that embarrassed him. Mm-hmm. Is that is that where you're finding your best material? Is it it has to be traumatic or it has to be that would or otherwise be a secret that I have to say on stage? Yeah, I think it's like fun and like especially when things like that happen instead of dwelling on them of like oh I can't believe it and like kind of turning it into like Mm self-hate I'm like making fun of it you know because I'm like in the end I'm not really letting it bother me because I do see the humor in it so I'll like make fun of it and and make light of it and kind of like helps me not yeah turn it into like something that that I I may like hate myself for, you know? Oh, that's true. Yeah. I guess that it yeah. could, yeah, it could turn into resentment or fester. I guess it's good to get it out there and it takes away the power of that trauma. Yeah. And it's like, I realize when I talk about like traumatic things or, or embarrassing things, I think that's what people like relate to more and latch mm. on to more. Like, especially with, when you're trying to connect with the audience there, I think that they're they're able to be like oh, been there or like I I I would never you know I would never talk about this or they kind of like connect with you more when you're when you're going like like pretty personal with stories. But it's so scary. Like yeah. and it's uncomfortable. Like you know I've been doing it yeah. ten years and I just I just recently like recorded my first special to get mm-hmm. rid of all that older material. You know. To yeah, then yeah. force myself to be like, okay, it's time you really start peeling back the layers. And th- this all happened literally like I, I, I self-produced it, did it all myself, released it in February. And That's then awesome. March happened and now we've been in quarantine. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, but it is peeling back that onion is like scary. Even for me doing it 10 years, like it's like, it's it's a it's it's a tough bridge to cross, but I'd imagine once you start, it becomes easier. Yeah, I think like I don't know. I I think for me, I've just never been good at the like setup punchline, and the people that are like really good at that, mm-hmm. I'm like so in awe of because my brain just doesn't think that way. I'm like my tweets are like eh. You know, but because I'm like, let me, let me pull you in. Let me set it up. Let me tell you a story. Let me, I I like to do act outs. I like to, you know, be physical and that's like my thing. Um, But yeah, I I feel like there's those two ways of of doing stand up. But I I think both are like their own like craft. You gotta, you gotta be good at, you know, and they both take hard work. Yeah, it I I want to get more personal, but it is always it always has been a a barrier and even if I do get personal, I will hide behind a punchline like I'll hide behind cleverness as opposed to being like no, this is this is what happened type deal. So it is just ripping the band-aid off. Um but that yeah, yeah. It, it's it's hard. And then sometimes like people will like I don't know, I'm, I'm I'm just trying to like be honest and and talk my truth. Like I have this uh, bit about how I'm not scared of my parents anymore, and that's like really hit home with a lot of people because people are in their like 30s, like me, and they're like, oh god, no, I'm still terrified. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck them, you know? What are they gonna do? They can't do shit to us. Wake right. up, people, you know? And I was telling this joke. Uh, like early I think it was like the, in January this year and this woman walked out because she was like you're so disrespectful I can't believe you would say those things about your parents and I'm like what <laughs> like, they're not here you know <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm talking shit behind their back <laughs> and also like yeah I'm still scared of them <laughs> you know <laughs> 
<laughs> so I think it's like, yeah, I think some some people are into it, and other people like take it too in, and they're and and they're like really like oh you're being offensive or they're like oh i'm so sorry that happened to you with mm -hmm. underwear that's and i'm like oh it's, i'm i'm making <laughs> fun of it yeah <laughs> it's such a good joke i mean you really we'll yeah. link it in the show description as well um yes. but it's it's such a good story um <laughs> oh and we well we got some people popping in with questions here as well oh. um ooh. Ooh. so um <laughs> This one actually comes from Robin Sutton Clark asking um, how much improv. Oh, she waved at you, Robin. Yeah, they're watching live right now. This is great. And um, she asks how much improv goes into stretching out a joke and um, how much is hack? Is it like, can you go too far with it? Mm -mm. Um, I guess. I mean, I try... Uh... When I mean I'm like improvising a joke, I'm not, I don't try to get like too hacky with it. Um, I, I try to stay truthful to the story. And when I improvise, it's in the like embellishment or, or like if I'm relating it to something, you know, like in the details is where like I'll improv Ooh. where, I, you know, like, um, like in the, in the underwear story, I'm like, oh, I, I, I pulled them out and they did look huge but it, you know in in the improv i'll like keep unraveling it to like make it be bigger and i'm like it, you know i didn't know he thought i was fitted sheet size yeah. things like that like i'll improv the details but not too much of like i'm you know honking my nose or you know making making random shit up so, oh, I love that improv and the details. And did mm -hmm. that fitted sheet line come in improv where you were just kind of rattling yeah. off ideas of how big it was? Right. That's yeah. Great. So it's like you're, you're kind of like in the moment you're like finding like things to compare it to and things like that. So, yeah, I feel like I, I like to improv the details and, and the embellishments and kind of like I feel like it's like coloring in like yeah. you have your like outline of the story. And then you're just coloring it to make it look prettier and funnier. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely yeah. love that. Um, this one tie. This one ties in to, yeah, really the writing process. As uh, Amanda O asks, uh, what's your writing process like, and how do you generate new material? Um, well, yeah, I feel like a, a like what we were talking about earlier is like something will happen. And then I'll just bullet point it. I don't really like to write anything out until I like try it out on stage. And I'll just be like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a shot and just talk about this thing that happened or this conversation that I had with my mom or this interaction I had at the store. It's like, I'm going to write it down. This was kind of like weird and, and, and funny, you know. So hmm. I'll, I'll make bullet points and then I go to open mic or now Zoom show and just kind of test it out and, and kind of figure out if I can like find a path for it or build it out with improv on stage. Um, and then sometimes it's like, yeah, there's something there. And I'll like, after the set, I'll like write down like, oh, that's good, that sticks. But a lot of the times it's also like, wow, I just talked for two minutes and nothing. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. so, so you switch gears. So it's all about like taking risks and like trying. It's like, okay, I'm going to tell you about this thing that happened. Um, and I think it's, it's particularly, particularly interesting now with the Zoom shows uh, because everyone's kind of going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do we not all just have a whole zoom show of all of us talking about how shitty everything is you know yeah. so kind of trying to keep it like personal to me and my experience I, I I'm like that's how I kind of like uh not sound like you know everyone else I'm like what did what was my personal experience on this or day or something what about generating ideas? Because writer's block can really handicap a lot of us. Like, uh, how do you overcome writer's block? Well, 
it's hard, you know. A lot of the times, um, I don't really like to write a joke unless I get that like excited feeling in my stomach, you know, of like, oh, that was, you know, like the underwear thing that happened or the slide or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever I can't do anything, I I had a friend. Well, I have a friend. Uh, his name is C.J. Hunt. We used to do uh writing sprints together, hmm. where we would just kind of like name a name a topic like random topic and then put five minutes on the clock or three minutes and then we would just sit and write down like premises based on that topic and that was like kind of helpful just to kind of get the gears going and sometimes you're like okay we're going to talk about uh you know uh I don't know one night stands and then we write down stuff that that made us think about for five minutes Sometimes there's something there. Sometimes there's not. Um, so yeah, we would do exercise like that. But I feel like lately I don't write something unless I like get excited about the thought. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, in in this uh, Facebook group, we actually do a daily writing club. It's called the Write oh, Ten nice. Club, and nice. we uh, we get a random word and then we spend ten minutes uh, writing, oh. trying to write a joke about it. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's the same. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Same wavelength. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah, and I like you. You start your jokes from a place of like, this was traumatic or this was weird or this was funny or this makes me excited. So you start with a connection mm-hmm. with the joke before you even take it to the stage. That's super valuable. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, just things that came up. Uh, recently, I wrote a joke. I was diagnosed with fatty liver recently. So I have this whole bit about my experience going to the doctor, her telling me and and how I, you know, wish I would have reacted to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just like making things that I experience, but in like a, a funny or fun way with a story. I love it. <laughs> and um, well, we got a storytelling question as well, but Michelle... <laughs> Not to put you on the spot, but she asks if you would join us in the Right 10 Club sometime. Oh, sure. That sounds fun. Yeah, that would be, if you're in Austin, you're central or is that? Central, yeah. Yeah, that would be 9 a.m. But there's comics in Australia that tune in (laughs) and it's midnight where they are. So. Okay. I mean, midnight would work for me more than nine. True, but, I forgot we're comedians. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> comedians with no jobs. I, I don't need to be up at night. <laughs> we're starting at 10 p.m. one as well. Okay. We're gonna start. Uh, they're getting so busy. We're gonna start doing like two a day. Oh, awesome. Well, we will. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll circle back on that, uh, Vanessa. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and so June asks, um, what do you think the biggest mistake storytellers make? um mistake I don't know I've seen like a lot of different types of storytelling and I feel like as long as you're staying like true to your like perspective and honest like I think that's what like really Mm. brings people in like I was saying with that with the audience and what connects with the story if you're being like vulnerable I think you're on the right path but if you're just kind of like talking to, you know, I think where I've made a mistake before is like writing like with the intention of like being funny, writing a story where like this is going to be hilarious. Guilty. But then, yeah. but then it, it doesn't go anywhere, Yeah. you know, but if I write a story first with like a beginning, middle and end with like just the actual like facts of what happened and then pepper in the jokes and color it in like I said then I have a a better story and it feels like fuller but I've I've told stories or I've attempted to tell or improv a story where I was like oh I didn't have anything going in and I was just like this one little seed happened and then it went nowhere you know it's great yeah Oh, and Michelle said it is. It's nine a.m. where she is as well when she writes. So, oh, 
No pressure. But Van Carey okay. is in Australia. He's watching right now, and he said it's 5.40 a.m. in Australia nope. right now, and he's watching. All right. So I don't have an excuse then. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, and um, this, this is a good one. You're from Joey Rizzuto asking, um, what were some worries you had starting off? What had to happen to overcome them? And do they ever come back? And do you have any new worries now? Um, I feel like what I loved about starting off is like, I didn't have worries. I felt like I hmm. took way more risks because I was like, I don't give a fuck, you know, like I'm, I'm starting at this. I'm new. And there was like, less fear because I was new and then I think after the special and now I have I get in my head more of like oh I have to live up to something and I have to like everything has to be as good as the pizza underwear story hmm. and things like that so I feel like I put more pressure on myself that I'm trying to like shake and and be like get back to that place like I remember when I was just starting an improv and sketch where it would be the dumbest idea but I would be, totally just go for it and I want to I want to get back in that zone and I think that's what's like the funniest now that's what makes me laugh now when I watch stand-up specials or any type of comedy where it's like the dumbest premise but and you're like oh they're having so much fun I want I want to I want to do that. I want to get back to that place. But you were actually worried to even try stand up. So right. how did you overcome that fear? Well, like I said, my, my friend Lisa just kind of threw me. Oh, so it was just back against end. the wall. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Back against the wall. Um, but to be fair, after I did that first show and it was okay, I didn't die. And, and it wasn't the worst. I, I just kept, you know, trying at it, trying, trying. And I would, like, I did start tr start writing, like, uh, set-up punchline type jokes, and I realized those didn't work for me. So then I just leaned more into the storytelling and and just kept kept going with that little by little and, like, tried to grow material as I went. But it, I feel like till this day, stand-up is the one that, gives me the most nerves mm. out of all of them you know doing improv during sketch after a while and you're like with your friends you're like oh I don't care but every time you do stand up you have that little like here we go it could be good it could be bad and it's all on you yep because <laughs> even know. you kind of eased into it your first set was you doing like a character like a monologue almost of like your mom so mm -hmm. even you had to kind of like all right I got to pull the just pull the bandit off and start trying to do material type deal yeah and like talking as me and yeah. being on it and I, and I think it was just like a preference of like I I I, I was like what kind of stand-up do I like to watch and I just liked watching stand-ups that that get vulnerable and 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 say real shit and that just like hit home with me so I just leaned into that yeah, or Def Jam as well. You yeah. Get into oh, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Def Jam. Oh, so good. What'd you like about it? Just like the way the people would react. Like that's still <laughs> that's still like a goal of mine to have a Def Comedy Jam moment where just people are like running out the room <laughs> and you know just dying on the floor in front of you. Because what you just said was the funniest shit they've ever heard. Um, and yeah, I, and that's what, like, I feel like Def, the, the comics on Def Comedy Jam were, were so, like, real and vulnerable and, like, talking about real shit. And that's why, like, everyone's, like, yeah, like dying over with this. Yeah. <laughs> well, to, well, to keep it real here, or keep it 100. Mm -hmm. Uh, keep, to keep it a bean, yeah, I mean, yeah. we have a, um, we have a special guest. Actually, I want to bring in here as we, um, as we start to, uh, land this plane, I want to bring in a fan of yours to, a um, fan. 
ask you a few questions as well. Um, okay. So uh, without further ado, please welcome the reason we're all here today. Give it up for the one and only Chris Grulon, ladies and gentlemen. Let's welcome him to the show here. Let's see if he's a... Uh... Is he there? Oh, wait. Hold on. Oh, no. Wait. What happened? Wait, there we are. Sorry. <laughs> I had to make sure the stream, it was just me for a second. We're here. I'm uh, live from my son's bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, my man. Uh, thank you, first off, for even recommending Vanessa and making this happen. Um, yeah, thank you so much. That's so nice. I remember watching you on that Zoom show because it was like, 12 people and you weren't laughing at anybody so i was like i'm not gonna get him. <laughs> <laughs> i was like i'm not gonna get him <laughs> you know what uh it was so funny because uh you had that one joke about being a snake charmer uh-huh. hilarious we were we were dying my wife and i <laughs> uh yeah i i play the flute to arouse my boyfriend to keep it socially distant. <laughs> yeah, socially distant. Yeah, thank you. Oh, word. So what? Um, so, uh, yeah, please, Chris. This is uh, you, you have the floor, my man. Um, so whatever you'd like a, to ask. As a comedian watching Zoom shows, mm -hmm. I, I start to analyze, so I don't laugh as much. What I don't know is that the comedians are taking snapshots of me and then throwing yep. me into their jokes. And that's what happened. Last <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, so I did have a couple of questions. Yeah. Um, how do you feel comedy is changing during the pandemic? Do you think that the Zoom shows are something that's going to stay? Or are you more comfortable doing the Zoom shows? Um, I feel like uh, it, it's so interesting because I've been doing them pretty regularly. And I'm like, nobody wants these, right? But every time I do them, like, People are fucking like cooking and like got it on in the background. People are sitting in their cars. Like there's like, I got to get away. I'm going to watch this show in my car. Like I, it's, it's cool to see that people still want comedy even in this format. So that's like, that's nice. I think though that people will like, just like with anything, like I'm here in Austin, everything's open. Like nobody, it, people hear pandemic and they're like no i still need to go to a bar and drink um so i feel like they're the the way they want to be out and and pretend like everything's fine i think that comedy will always like be wanted and needed um but i, I don't know I, I wonder if even when like there's live shows again and like people are doing them safe oh sorry is that me um i wonder if if Zoom shows will still stay a thing. Cause it's nice to be able to be like, hey, I'm doing a show in LA with someone in New York and in Atlanta and, and it's like fine. So I so hope I've, it kind I've done of stays. Zoom shows with, fun. Uh, with everybody uh, from New York to Australia. So it's been a great way to network. Have you been able to expand your network because of the Zoom shows? um yeah i i feel like uh it's been nice to like i said to to do shows with like comics from right. all the way around from from all over and um yeah especially um because before without this which is funny because we could have been doing this the whole time right exactly uh, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's like oh i gotta get my ass to new york and i gotta i gotta go there for like two weeks do the grind there so they kind of know who i am and i kind of like make my my name known there i gotta go atlanta so it's like all like touring is was the mindset before this mm -hmm. um so it, it's nice to have like this so that you, you kind of can make connections all over without going anywhere. I like that. I like that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm right down the street from you in New Brunswick. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. My uh, brother lives there, actually. Everything is open here and it's kind of scary because we don't mm -hmm. know when the pandemic is going to end in Texas because no one mm -hmm. cares, apparently. Right. Uh, yeah. So now I'm going to be 38 this year. How um, how can I say a joke about my mom without fearing her? 
<laughs> well, it's funny because uh, my mom is uh, crazy, and um, she she loves the jokes I tell about her. Like mm -hmm. she's that like because she knows she's like kind of self aware, and she knows she's ridiculous. But I think she's also a narcissist, so she loves like when I make fun of her. In the Comedy Central special, I accuse her of having an affair. And she had to sign a waiver saying that she would not sue me. And she's like, oh, I don't care. This is hilarious. I'll say, which other jokes are you going to say? Like, so she's like, she loves it. She likes the attention. I think she likes to come to my shows. And then I make fun of her. And after the shows, she's always like, hi, I'm the mom. And she's like taking pictures with people. She loves yeah, it. it so. It's so funny because uh, I, I've been doing a joke a day now, I don't know, for like 45 days. No, oh, nice. Uh, as my daughter walks in in the background. <laughs> I don't know if you see her. Yeah. Hi. I saw the door yeah. open and I was like, is this the ring? What just happened? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah. Yeah, she's a ninja. <laughs> hi. So, uh, I, I've been throwing jokes out for about 45 days and a lot of them have to do with my mom. And I got a text message the other day saying real quick, do you have any jokes about your wife? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I don't know uh, about wife jokes because when I make fun of my boyfriend or what I don't, I never make fun of my boyfriend. He's always in the jokes, but he's never the butt of the joke, mm -hmm. which which I always try to stay mindful of. And he's totally fine. He's like, as long as you're not like making fun of me, you can say whatever. <laughs> and I, I I always make it a point that I'm the butt of the joke. Mm. Yeah. yeah, me me um, too with my wife material and uh, <laughs> Nate Bargatze said the same thing on here about if he ever made a joke about his wife. It people didn't like it as much as if it was he was the butt of the joke. So that's always right. a good little cheat to make jokes yeah. about it without it being about it type deal. Yeah, like things that happen, situations, conversations. I mean, naturally are funny, right, in relationships. Mm -hmm. um, but people love when my mom's the butt of the joke. Oh. <laughs> I, think, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think everyone's like uh, got something with their mom. <laughs> all right is there anything else chris um one more uh the special that you recorded um my birthday's tomorrow oh yeah yeah hilarious uh oh, a bit about you. calling your parents and telling them to go screw screw themselves yeah so, um i did have a question about adapting to the zoom culture because so many established comics feel mm -hmm. that uh, this is hack, mm -hmm. um, and they don't want to do Zoom cultures. But then when they do go on a mic live, they're mm -hmm. rusty. Do you feel that these Zoom shows are helping you stay sharp? Oh, absolutely, and that's really why I'm doing them. You know, I I do see that like a lot of comics are like shitting on them, and but I think that's like part of it. And I think what I've always uh, tried not to like get my whole head around is is the whole negative like right. talking because I, I you know here in Austin it's like a very supportive community you go to LA it's also I was very surprised in, like how supportive uh the comedy community in LA was too but you're gonna get like comics that shit talk or that's hack and all this stuff and but what I I feel like it's like, I don't know, it's like a personal growth thing, but I started being hard on myself when I stopped judging and shitting on other comics. Mm. Like when I was just like open and like supportive and like, you know, it's like, yeah, maybe it's not my thing, but I'm not going to shit talk anybody. Like they're trying something and that's, mm. that's cool. You know? And I think that's like, I don't know why it became this whole thing as like a comic. You got to be like, that's fucking bullshit. Yep. That fucking stuff. It's like, what? We're all trying to just make people laugh. Why are we shitting on each yes. other? Yes. You so, know? Uh, oh, one of the things that I really enjoyed about the Zoom comedy is mm. that you can get a, a, a night where you can have four headliners on one show and yeah. you would never see that in a comedy club. And then yeah. on top of that, some of them do Q&As afterwards. Mm -hmm. and you're only paying like ten dollars which is insane to me yeah um, 
I did want to plug in our show September 19th. Yeah. We'll be doing a show together. What? Yep. I'm producing a show. (laughs) What? Yep. Oh my Uh, gosh. That's so awesome. Yep. Yeah. Uh, And it's because of of this Right 10 group. Um, So (gasps) I'm producing a show. Vanessa's headlining. And I have. uh, Oh, I'm going to cry. I have comedians (laughs) from Oakland, LA, and Laredo on it. Hell yeah. I'm from Laredo. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool, man. Yeah. Oh September my 19th. gosh. I just, that's awesome. I just love, and I, I, well, one, I love, like, your mindset behind comedy, Vanessa, in terms of, well, first, you did want to just develop and get good and develop in your own city and create your own success. And then also, it is like, yeah, we're all, every, what, what's the hate for? We're everyone. We're all trying to just make people laugh. Like there's no need to have negativity around this really fun art form. And it's just, they're doing something that's great for them, you know? Yeah. And I think like, like I said, I've always just loved doing comedy and I've always just kind of like made an agreement with myself. Like, Hey, this is the thing I love. I'm always going to have to do it myself somehow whether it's producing my own shows or getting out there and then but I never like expected anything and it's like okay yeah the things come which is nice but I still believe that as as I get older I'm always gonna have to make shit myself record my own albums I have to you know record my own specials like you don't have to wait for you know that you can make shit happen you can produce your own shows and like be a nice person and not shit on anyone while you do it <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's what's been hard is is becoming a new comic in the area um because i'm I, I i'm in the san antonio group um and um trying not to get sucked into the politics of it while still growing that's my son uh, yeah yeah so, trying to, to still grow as a comic mm-hmm. and not burn any bridges with anybody in the scene and, and while everybody's choosing sides, it's, it's really hard. Yeah, it's it's interesting when there's like, you know, I think every comedy scene has its own dramas mm-hmm. and like clicks and stuff, but it's, you know, I think you gotta not get sucked into that and, and just stay, you know, focused on you and your writing yeah. and, and just being like, nice and open i think my one of my friends uh lashonda lester um she passed away a couple years ago she was a great comic and she always told me like all you have to do is be funny and be nice Mm. that's all you got to do and so the best advice i've been given was worry about your set and uh their opinions don't pay your bills because when you get on stage it's only you and the mic yeah and it's like and even like when you go to open mics or zoom shows you know i like to watch and i like to laugh at the other mm-hmm. comics like you can't go up it, you can't watch a whole show like this and being mm-hmm. just like judging and shitty and then you expect to go up there and get laughs when yeah. you didn't give any love or you know support and it's like so yeah, then circling fun. back to your zoom show i apologize <laughs> if i didn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the you callback know, on him with the callback no uh, uh, but one thing i learned was the uh the hot comedy festival was here in san antonio uh, oh, yeah. premiering on hbo max tonight uh, mm-hmm. uh, but one thing i saw was the veteran comedians sitting in the back watching all the new people mm-hmm. and then when the new people were done they would give them a napkin or a notepad saying hey try this on your joke try adding this and I've never seen that before. And it opened me up to say, uh, we're here to help each other grow. You know what I mean? So it yeah. was really, really cool to see. And I really appreciate you even doing the Zoom show with me. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah, no, that's, uh, it's all about that. I don't, yeah, I don't know why it's been a culture of like, we can't help each other. Mm-hmm. We're all like in a race against each other. Right. But it's like, no, we should like, why not take a tag or, you know, if we, we all have that comedy brain and sometimes some comics see something, others don't. And, you know, I'm all about it. And mm-hmm. I think it's just like, it makes your life better when you're just like, not being negative yeah, about the first year i was walking in not knowing if i was funny enough or uh am, am i 
doing this as a hobby? Am I going to take this more serious? And then mm-hmm. I entered the um, funniest comedian in Texas mm-hmm. and I got into the semifinals in my first year. Nice. So then it, it made me think, okay, I do have something here. Mm-hmm. Let me keep growing this. And so that's why I joined the Ride 10 Club. It's been really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome that y'all do that. That's so, so cool. And I love that it just reinforces that whole, like, we're friends helping each other. Yeah. We got one guy, yeah. Bob, he's kind of a, <laughs> he thinks he's too funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're always going to have that. <laughs> that's the whole thing with the group though, is like, we have core values and it's like positivity, community and productivity. So it's all about community and positivity, but also, Hey, we're here to get better at comedy, but everything's positive. Everything's positive. Cause I learned from personal experience and doing this for Mm -hmm. 10 years. I'm sure, you know, you've expressed the same of, yeah, there's negativity Mm -hmm. and there doesn't need to be. Yeah. I think it's silly, especially now, like, especially now with like comics shitting on zoom shows. It's like, why we're all, <laughs> we're, it's a fucking pandemic. Like, why are we, everyone's just trying to figure out what works for them. You right. know, like, I, how can you stand by the more of like, nah, I'm clubs only. Right. <laughs> they're all, they're all closed. And, and see that, that's the mentality that, that, uh, that I don't, I don't uh, understand because with these yeah. Zoom shows, I was able to network with Mikey Winfield and mm-hmm. Frankie Marcos. And mm-hmm. I was able to get all these people to talk to me to the point where Mikey sent me an email wanting an input on one of his flyers. I started promoting for him. That brought me to Renee. That brought me to you. And it's mm-hmm. opened up my network. And it would have never happened without this pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I I think if you embrace it, it can't. I think what that goes with anything. Like, you can make stuff work with you, mm-hmm. work for you. You know. Mm. I love this. I almost yeah. when I heard you guys are doing a show together, I almost cried. I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, the hot <laughs> breath of us at work. September nineteenth. I love it. September yeah. September nineteenth. Well, we'll be sure to put a link in the show description. Also, to um, if you have a like. A registration for that show or whatever, Chris. Right. We'll definitely uh, I'm, share I'm it. I'm working on the event uh, page tonight, and the flyer should be out tonight. Perfect. And we'll get a link. We'll do a link to your um, your album as well. Um, I didn't yeah. see that on your website. I don't think. Oh yeah. Um, I I told my little brother to update it, and he hasn't. Okay, because I was like, <laughs> yeah. wait, what? Because I always research yeah. my guests, and I want to make sure. Um, yeah, because I didn't know that. Yeah, I have an album. Uh, it's called My Birthday's Tomorrow. These are pins that I'm also selling. Um, oh, and yeah. That's, like the, that's the cover of the album, too. Uh, but yeah, check it out. I recorded it last year uh, in October here in Austin. Did you do it uh, through a... It looks like the label was AST or something like that? Yeah, a special thing record. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you did it through a, a record company. That's something we talked about with Sarah Tolomash last week because she went through a record mm-hmm. company as well, and we were like weighing the pros and cons of each route. Yeah, I feel like it was definitely beneficial for me because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with <laughs> with, right. with re- recording shit. So it was nice that someone was like, hey, we'll do that all for you. You just go and tell your jokes. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll yeah. put links to that, and I definitely want to buy one of those pins. So I'll, um, oh, yeah, I definitely want to show support. And uh, the the last question we always ask here is like your favorite, most helpful comedy advice you've ever received, or something you could kind of leave us comics with here. Well, definitely, um, what my friend Lashonda Lester told me was, you know, just be funny and be nice, and um, I think the best advice that I've heard from anyone is just always have fun with it when Mm. it's, you know, when you're being too serious or it's mad or it becomes about grudges and, and shit talking and negativity. It's like, you're not doing it for the right reasons. You're, you're, you're there to make people laugh. So Mm. always have fun with whatever you're talking about. Oh my gosh. I love it. This has been amazing. Um, you're yeah you're you definitely express like the same intentions with comedy that we do here at hot breath so it's been a thrill to have you on here yeah 
Yeah, this was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Absolutely. So go yeah. forth. Uh, yeah, support Vanessa so, and uh, pick up her album, pick up a pen like I'm doing, and um, also support their show that they're doing together on September 19th. That's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for watching here live in the Facebook group as well. And if you guys want to watch this later it'll be on our youtube it also be posted on our podcast as well wherever you listen to your podcasts but that's it for our q a with the one and only vanessa gonzalez everyone give her a round of applause thank y'all and uh we will see y'all next time hop breath verse i hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we did if you would like to hear more advice and tips from great comedians subscribe to the hot breath podcast and if you'd like to challenge yourself, join us on Facebook in the Comedy Writers Room, hosted by the Hot Breath Podcast, where we meet every morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're given one word a day and 10 minutes to write the best one-liner we can. I have been with this group for over 45 days, and my writing has greatly improved. As Burt Kreischer says, competition breeds champions. So come join the competition and receive positive feedback with this great community of comedians, writers, and producers. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.